History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front and it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25 year old, I was uh, busted and into jail and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're chatting with Don Hardgrove. He's an author, a pastor and a church planter and the former leader of the Wesleyan Methodist Church in Australia. And when I came to Christ at the age of 15... It was at one of his altar calls at a youth camp. So it's a privilege to catch up with him today. Welcome along, Don. Tell us a bit of your story. Where were you born and raised? G'day. It's a delight to be with you. Uh, born in Brisbane and uh, raised there. Mm-hmm. Um, was part of a local Baptist church when I arrived. And uh, then when I was about 10, my dad had a row with the minister. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we ended up at the Methodist. Okay. And the preacher made an altar call when I was 10. And I still remember going forward all by myself. Really? No one else went forward that night. And I looked up at my folks and said, can I go out the front? And mum started to cry. <laughs> and dad said, I suppose. <laughs> oh, wow. So that was the beginning of it. And that was deepened at 16 at a high school camp. Mm-hmm. And you want to know why I'm high school camp passionate about high school camps? Yeah. Because I saw what it did in my own life and the life of my friends. Yeah. I Wonderful. Strongly. And tell us about uh, that uh, time at, six, at the age of 16. Did your life change dramatically? Oh, after big time. That? Yeah. 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 I was a very lonely child, mm-hmm. partly because my dad got his leg all shot up in the war. And the doctor said, find a hobby. And, uh, Mum and Dad came up with the idea of magicians as in rabbits out of hats. I don't Mm -hmm. mean black magic. I know the Mm. difference. I just mean illusions where, you know, there's a secret behind it. Mm. And I performed on the Melbourne Town Hall stage. And uh, three months later, I was on the Brisbane City Hall stage and some of my friends were in the audience. Wow. What did they want to know on Monday at school? (laughs) How'd you do it? (laughs) How'd you do the tricks? (laughs) And what's the magician not allowed to tell? (laughs) Which added to the loneliness thing. Mm. But I look back on it and sense that God was at work preparing me for leadership because there's a loneliness with leadership. Mm. But when I made a full-on commitment to God, I found a deeper level of friendship Mm. as well as a purpose for my life that was really, really a a huge blessing. I'm so grateful. Mm. And tell us a bit about your early career. What did you do after school? Oh, I went straight from high school into teacher's college, Mm -hmm. and I was mentored by an old Presbyterian, God bless him, lecturer who used to meet with us every Thursday and we'd bring out New Testament, and, and that discipling shaped me. And so then I went on to school teaching. I had 46 kids in my first class. And so I went on a couple of years in primary school. And, and then they gave me a little ankle biters out west, <laughs> grade two and grade three. <laughs> and I applied for high school and got it and had another 18 months in high school and then went on, got happily hitched at the end of that year to my dear wife. And now we've got 53 years of marriage, mm-hmm. thank God. And then we went to Bible College for two years in Melbourne and then two two or three years in Queensland. I added the university year because I won a Commonwealth Scholarship. Okay. So, And what kind of Bible College was it? Oh, Melbourne Bible Institute, interdenominationalist. Uh-huh. It's now called Bible College of Victoria or Melbourne School of Theology. Okay. Yeah. And tell us about your journey into ministry from there. Well, thank you. Mm. I felt the call at that high school camp. I was so scared I wouldn't didn't tell anybody for six months. Mm. And I was at a youth training camp and the preacher cast the net on the crisis need for preachers. And I thought, I felt God's tug. And I said yes. And so that 
ingredient was there mm. from then on. Um, so when I and oh, while I was at Teachers College, I did what they used to call a lay preacher certificate. So okay. I actually had preached a hundred times before I got to Bible College, mm. Mm. which meant that I wasn't coming as a greenhorn. And I also knew a bit more of what I wanted to learn. Mm. That was good. And tell us a bit about uh, the uh, Wesleyan Methodist movement. Uh, you, you planted a number of churches in yeah. that movement over the years. How did you get involved more, there? More than 30. Yeah. Uh, well, what happened was that, I know this is going to sound weird, the dream that God gave me was a dream of national revival in Australia touching the world. I live for that dream still. Mm. Mm. And as part of that, I was at a library sale when I was at college and they were selling off books that were a bit battered. And this one was called New Testament Holiness by Thomas Cook. And in those days, 10 cents was a price for a second-hand book. It would probably be a dollar now. But I read it, and it really shaped my thinking um, because it said you could be blameless without being faultless. Now, I know I make mistakes, for goodness sake, don't we all? But I could have a clean heart and a pure motive before God so I could be blameless. And I then I found I'd done full science right through high school and teacher's college, but I... I got to love history. It was more fun reading stories <laughs> than doing <laughs> equations. And I started to learn to so say, what was God doing? What made history happen? And so when I was looking at the whole issue of spiritual awakening, I realized that this was the message that did it, whatever the denominational label was. And I believe in loyalty to one's local church. Find the church that you believe the message of the movement. And see, I felt believing in revival, and that was the big Wesleyan distinction, holiness making it possible for us to have revival in our country. And tell us about your first churches that you started uh, planting. Oh, well, we just started with a house church. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't know any better. And that worked, and then we started. And we basically, now they weren't all sequential. We established a new church every six months for 17 years. Wow, amazing. But sometimes there was a cluster of three or four, and then there'd be a year or two consolidating that. Mm, mm. But basically my approach to ministry is loving people. Mm. And when I went to New Guinea just to check out 1965 missions and so forth, and I was interested in a young lady who was a missionary there, and I thought none of this distance romance. We either do stuff together and she came back to Australia and that gave us a chance to find out that it wasn't going to work. Mm. Um, but that was better. But while I was there, the preacher who was running the mission station took me aside and said, I want you to do Christmas Day service. I said, spare me. I'm just a student and you guys are missionaries. Mm. And he said, you go and pray about it. And I thought as I prayed, God showed me that preaching is not telling people what to do. It's sharing my journey. Mm. And that has been there all along, whether it's teenagers at the youth camps, whether it's a group starting a church, whether it's one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. So I'm sharing the wonderful way I've watched God at work. And uh, for those who uh, might be curious about the location of the churches you planted, oh. all over Queensland or all, <laughs> all around Australia, is it? Yeah, uh, well, when I was national, well, the early ones I did in Brisbane mm -hmm. and then uh, down to, New, to Coffs Harbour in New South Wales, mm -hmm. which is part of how I got linked with the campers in New South Wales. Mm -hmm. But round, round Brisbane, half a dozen, and up the coast, Ipswich, well, sorry, Gympie, Maryborough, Bundaberg, Rocky, Yapoon, wow. up to Townsville, Mackay, mm -hmm. inland to Toowoomba, wow. uh, as well as. So it was a privilege. When I became NS, they asked me to do the initiative from mm -hmm. WA, wanted us to plant another one in West South Australia. So mm -hmm. 
I, oh, and I did help the Victorians because the board members were all in Victoria because the headquarters were initially in Melbourne. Mm. So I went to those places and helped churches while I was there. Mm. Wow. So it's been an amazing journey. I, I would want to say this. I cannot say thank you enough to God for the friends that he brought into my life as I was following and engaging with people who were fair dinkum. Mm, mm. Well, I still remember that youth camp where I had been raised in a conservative church and uh, I became friends with a guy named Jared Ebling. I remember. who uh, His dad was the pastor at Coffs Wesley Methodist and and we went along to the youth camp and I was just laissez-faire about my faith like I, I believed in God but didn't really wasn't really a follower of Jesus you know and you preached a really strong message I still remember it and uh, I put my hand up and answered the altar call and then you asked if anybody wanted to sign up for full-time ministry that's right yeah. and I filled out a card that day that's right. because God I thought you. if you're in you're all in boots and all <laughs> boots and all you got it and I didn't realize the price I would pay for right. <laughs> signing yeah. that card yeah. but it really launched me into ministry straight away I ended up becoming an a Christian, I ended up becoming the youth leader at the local Wesley Good. Methodist and then started running the ISCF group at my school. I was in ISCF. Yeah. And it was all because of that camp where you were you were just a fiery preacher. But it's glory to God. I yeah. never take any credit. I'm very aware of that. I'm just grateful for the privilege of ministry, mm. hugely. And, you know, we need to get back to youth camps. Well, I am passionate about it, and I just look to God for open the doors for me to share again. Yeah, it's now over twenty thousand teenagers have been at a camp where I was camp director. Wow, and speaker, amazing. So I just say, God, what a privilege. Yeah, yeah. And, and as recently as last Sunday, I rocked up to a church on a little island in Moreton Bay, and I'm looking at this bloke, and I thought, I know you. He said, Yeah, I went to your youth camp. <laughs> like he was only saying about 35 years ago. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He changed a bit, but there he was, my mate. Yeah. And a thrill to sense that he's still on the way. That's uh, wonderful. Now, my wife has been reading your book recently called You Can Be a Radiant Character. Yep. And she keeps on saying, Honey, you got to listen to this. And she reads it out to me like she's loving it, yeah. uh, only halfway through. Uh, Tell us about what the heart of this book is. Uh, well, the book, You Can Be a Radiant Character, I actually started in 1978. And as the years passed and I picked up an insight here and an idea there, I threw them into a folder in my filing cabinet. Mm-hmm. And then in 2015, 16, 17, I was speaking for Creation Ministries around Queensland and New South Wales. But as part of my praying, I felt God laid on my heart, I want that book. Mm. And so I worked on it and, by God's grace, had it completed by near enough to the end of 2017. Mm. And I have been amazed. The responses, including probably Australia's foremost historian, mm-hmm. is uh, Dr. Stuart Piggin. And I sent him one just for you know, him to know about it and hopefully recommend. He came back with a quote. I actually reproduced the quote in right at the back of the fourth one mm-hmm. where he said, um, I usually just do a little review but he said, I got hooked and I wanted to read all your Bible references. <laughs> and he said, I went right through the book and thank you for writing it and sending it. So that, mm. that was a big encouragement to me. Yeah. Mm, that's wonderful. And uh, I just wanted to ask you something about the word holiness. Yes. Now, we talk about uh, John Wesley and the holiness movement, sure. uh, which obviously the Wesley Methodist movement, you know. It's part of it. It's part yeah. of it. For those who don't understand just just in layman's terms, what, yeah. what's the holiness movement? What's the holiness okay. message? Excellent question. Mm. Oh, I shouldn't be yeah. telling you that, should I? You're the boss. <laughs> um, no, but basically when we become a Christian, we give our past to God and we're just so gra- glad to be get rid of the guilt. Mm. 
but God needs to show me how serious the problem is. <laughs> mm. And as I go along, I suddenly think, oh, that was pretty selfish. Even though I'm a Christian, I'm mm. not being as unselfish as I should be. And so along the journey, God showed me an extra stuff until I came to a day when I felt it's got to be boots and all. Mm. Now, it was at conversion, but now uh, it's further along the way and I faced some other issues and said, God, you know, that was wrong. Please forgive me. Mm. And so when I made that full-on commitment and I linked it with my daily devotional pattern and with my regular commitment to worship, I'm a twicer, twice on Sunday. In my last church, I had three morning services as well as the <laughs> evening one. That was the usual thing. <laughs> So that that was significant mm. for me, that whole dynamic. Um, so following through from there, mm. I also went on to want to put some more of these ideas in print mm. because I was getting such an encouraging response from people who were reading because I'm just a really ordinary bloke, mm. honestly. Mm. But I was just, I love God passionately and I was seeking to be obedient. Mm. Absolutely. Wonderful. And uh, another book you've written there I'm curious to know about is You Can Be a Disciple Maker. Yes. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, the, the Great Commission doesn't say uh, go go and uh, make Converse. decisions. No. It says make disciples. You got it. <laughs> and there's a difference. T- tell us about your heart for disciple okay. making. That's important. Mm. That led my, my other book on You Can Know God's Will, which talks about discovering God's plan, mm-hmm. and you can make an impact, has to do with leadership. Mm-hmm. But this one, what happened was with some of these churches I'd planted, I started to notice, because being a superintendent, I still worked with them a bit, I started to notice there were some believers there who were a cause for concern. Let's say they weren't as close to Jesus as I might have wished for their benefit mm. <laughs> and the benefit of their church. And so against that background, I thought, how do I know what a disciple is if I've never defined one? Mm. And so I actually worked out prayerfully what is a definition of a disciple. Um, I tested it on young people I was teaching about leadership to Mm -hmm. see how it rang true for them. Um, I shared it with my professors because I did my doctoral studies by distance ed. Mm. And so I got an interview where they were kind of there around the table. But it meant that I could bounce it off them and get the benefit of their tertiary uh, more thorough study. But then after that, I was invited on my to have my long service leave lecturing in Switzerland. Mm, wow. And I had more than a dozen different nationalities, students, one from Japan and some from Russia and Moldova, um, even one from Ireland and, you know, different, well, some from Africa. And it was fascinating to have the students come to me and say that definition is integrated. It makes sense. Mm. Can we have permission to use it in our country? And I said, go for your life. And I also had a recording that they could listen to that would explain each chapter. Mm. But Matt, I've suggested you may like to put that grid on your website mm. or wherever you yeah. put it, if that would be any help to the listeners. Absolutely, yeah. We can certainly uh, promote that on our website. Uh, now, before we wrap up, Don, you know, you shared about how you entered that altar call at the age of 16. Yes. And there might be people listening and watching that have never heard the gospel yeah. and don't know how to come to Christ. Would okay. you share with the listeners what is the gospel and how do they respond? Oh, sure. Mm. And I want to mention imagination. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because yeah, yeah. I'm concentrating on your question. Yeah. I tried to boil it down into a basic when I was pastoring this large church. Mm. And I put it down to believe. There's stuff you've got to believe that Jesus really is God's son, that he was not just an ordinary bloke. He was God in human form. Mm. And then believing also that he died on the cross for our sins, Mm. that he was taking the punishment we deserved, believe. A is ask for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Admit we've sinned and ask for forgiveness. So I put it under B-A-S-E, something to base your life on, Mm -hmm. believing what the Bible says about Jesus and about his death on resurrection. 
I ask for, admit sin and ask for forgiveness. S is surrender your life to God. And when I put this on a chart, I have a picture of a steering wheel in mm-hmm. a big Chevy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> surrender your life to God. And then E, expect some changes because mm. there's a new master in control. Mm. And so, you know, obviously that's going to include obedience to the point of baptism somewhere along the line linked with the local church. Mm-hmm. But the BASE, I found a really helpful believe, uh, ask, and sorry, admit and ask. S for surrender your life to God and E expect some changes. Mm, amen. That's wonderful. Well, it's so good to uh, hear you share the good news of the gospel. And uh, thank you for sharing it when I was 15. And you want to talk about imagination? Tell I us do. about that. Yeah. Well, yeah. see, when you and I look at a TV screen, we don't see pictures. We see rows of dots and our mm. brain connects it up. When we do the internet, imagination is the connector. And I've realized that many Christians are missing a major issue by mm. neglecting guarding the mind. Scripture mm. tells us, you know, give our minds, mm. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Mm. And so we are to guard our mind and our imagination needs to be focused on the truth of the Bible. Mm. Um, I'm alarmed to come across statistics of believers or people who say they believe who are involved with porn. And that is a tragedy mm-hmm. because it'll wreck their relationships yep. with the opposite gender. Yep. But if we guard our imagination, that's a key to Amen. living a godly life. Amen. Absolutely wonderful. Well, Don, it's been a privilege and a blessing to catch up with you again. <laughs> I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's been a privilege. God bless you, folks. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. You'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater and my challenge to you now is to go and make history.